0: All right, welcome back to another episode of A-Sides. This week I talked with a few different artists that were involved in a compilation album called Love Lives On.
1: And on that note,
0: we cue the music. First guest that I'm speaking with is Andy Griggs. All right. Well, hey, Andy, I appreciate you calling in, and
2: I appreciate having... you having me on your show. Yeah,
0: definitely. So you currently are involved in a compilation album that's called Love Lives On, uh, which looks like it has a whole bunch of names on it. Um, if you'd like to speak a little bit about your involvement with that and what the whole uh, what the whole thing's about.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the, the organization TAPS is behind Love, Love, Love Lives On and Man, I'll be honest with you, I was ignorant to, to what TAPS, what it really was until about a year ago uh, I was introduced to it. And you're right, there's a lot of names that's involved with that album, but um, I feel like I'm the new guy. I'm kind of like the stepkid coming in because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the organization. And TAPS gives to the people who have lost loved ones. It gives straight to those people, you know. Um, so, uh I you know got familiar with them and did a show or two with them and then they asked me to be a part of this album Well little did I know that this out this this song that everybody was a part of of the album but the song they asked me to be a part of would um, would actually be a single you know the, the first single off of the album so yeah it was, it's it's a great honor it really is
0: so who specifically wrote the uh, wrote that song?
2: Well, it was two different guys in Nashville, and uh, Frank Myers was a part of it, and and uh, and Jimmy was also. That the, and they ended up producing it, uh, and it's a song about a guy named Josh out of uh, California, who his partner was a canine, was a German Shepherd, and he was a you know bomb sniffing dog, and um, he had uh, he had served time over there, and then uh, saving the dog's life, he lost his life for his partner, and that's what the whole song is about. It's a, it's a a uh, very, very um, heart-touching song, and it took me ten forevers to get to where I could sing it without a dry eye in the studio. And then, of course, when we had the album released, everybody made videos. But they had asked me because this is a single. They had asked me to, to to sing it live, and I'm standing right in front of Josh's mom and Josh's little brother. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the most it's one of the most heartfelt things I've ever been a part of.
0: You're going to have to forgive me. I just listened to this song, and I already forgot the title. I remember it's K-9 something, and then I just... (laughs) K-9 brother. Brother, Uh yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. My memory just doesn't serve me the best sometimes. Um, Was there anyone aside from maybe the two that wrote the song, any uh, other players like studio session musicians that might have played on it that anyone would know or
2: uh yeah they of course they use a lot of the Nashville musicians you know far the, the one that meant the most to me was uh my favorite harmony singers that I that I usually use in studio uh, they picked uh, Frank Myers picked and one of them is Becca Bramlett, which would be Bonnie Bremman's daughter with uh from Bonnie and Delaney and you know I've always used them, becca Bramlett. she's to me one of the uh, one of the best harmony female vocals in, in nashville tennessee so yeah, she was she was a part of it and that she really 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 adds a ton you know she's she's that white girl that sounds like 10 black women <laughs> you know, she has that that kind of a heart and soul and and uh, velocity when she opens her mouth
0: right yeah. about when did this album come out it was just
2: it was just recent, released uh, yeah it was released at the beginning of this year or, or springtime of okay
0: and then uh, is that all I mean I listen to it on Amazon music because that's where I usually listen to most of my stuff but I assume it's just released on all digital outlets you can find it on
2: Spotify yeah it's, it's, and... it's no, that's right it's it's everywhere I'm getting compliments about uh about the songs from every direction so yeah it's it's, it's everywhere k9 brother.
0: Right on. Right on. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you uh, calling in. Uh, you know, if uh, if you got a minute to chat and you want to tell everybody a little bit more about, you know, just your career specifically. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, know what uh, specific influences you might have had, you know.
2: Well, you know, you moved to Nashville in hopes, or at least I did. Uh, as, as a singer to, to move somebody, um, not I, didn't, I never really had dreams of tour buses and big crowds and um, platinum records on the wall. All of that is plastic when it comes to, I've always wanted to be moved by music the way I was moved. And I guess that had to do a lot with my brother and a lot with my daddy so I I got it honest Uh, but that's why I moved to Nashville and every now and then you come across a song whether you write it or you don't you come across a song that really really shapes and forms hearts and souls in in people and and, and it means a ton to them and that's the greatest reward of being a singer and uh, I would have to say if heaven to me probably if heaven and you will never be lonely and several others are are fit in that vein to where I, I softly smile and you know, and, and uh, when I'm complimented on that, and people tell me about the hardships they've gone through, or about this or this and that, everybody has their own story. That's why you moved to Nashville. To me, that's why you become a musician. That's why you become a singer. It, music drives you. It's not a dream of something plastic. It's something else that drives you, and it's that. Uh, so this this song, Canine Brothers, is, is it's in that realm. It's a very, very, very special song. Uh, and, I, when I walked away from the studio after we recorded it, um, you know, man, I was sitting there drying my eyes and of course singing it in front of, uh, Josh's mother and Josh's brother. And then to find out that the dog is still alive. And, and when he retired, when they retired the dog from the army, you know, the dog that, that Josh saved his partner, uh, the, the, the military gave or the Marines actually it was a Marine, um, the marines gave that dog to his family so the right now what's cool is that dog's laid up somewhere on a dog bed eating a t-bone tonight i'm sure you know he's right. he's uh he's being he's being well taken care of so yeah this is this is why i'm into music this is why i moved to nashville songs like this right on man well, well cool I appreciate man appreciate
0: that and i appreciate you calling in and it was good chatting absolutely with
2: you. You, man you know how to get in touch with us if you need anything you just let me know grant all
0: right. Thank you, Andy. I'll talk to you later you on. You bet, buddy. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Thank you to Andy Griggs for calling in and chatting with me. And next up, we have Angie Kay.
1: And when you run, I see so much of her in you. The way you lean into the pain and keep pushing yourself.
0: Angie, how's it going?
1: Going good. How about you? Great. It's Awesome. You guys okay through that tornado?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, it didn't really come close to, uh, to our place. So sorry. That's
1: great. I had
0: to reschedule on that. I felt bad, but it was just like, no,
1: it's definitely better safe than sorry. Cause I've been, I was through the one that came through Nashville and we had two minutes warning. So,
0: Oh yeah. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. There was like five of them around here is what I heard. Oh wow. But they weren't, I think the closest one was about 10 miles from us. Um, so, yeah, we lucked out, but all our streets were flooded, and, uh, <laughs> you know. My gosh. It was kind of crazy. So figured it would be better off than having the power knocked out in the middle of our conversation, too. So Yeah. Which that never happened, but it would have had I not canceled. I'm sure something crazy would have happened.
1: Well, that also have <laughs> been really scary for me. If, like, in the middle of a interview, someone's like, there's a tornado, I have to go. Like,
0: <laughs> right, yeah, it tornado. just would have... Yeah, it was probably better off that I... Plus, the family was all downstairs in my studio, and so it was like, this this isn't going to work with two young kids and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you made the right call.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for being understanding, and thanks for calling in today. Um, So you recently contributed to this uh, Love Lives On uh, compilation album. Yes. Um, If you'd like, Talk a little bit about that, about your song that you uh, contributed called You Carry Me Too.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, are we on air right now? Like, are Yeah, you recording I just, I just already? pretty
0: much hit record right out the gate. Oh, great. <laughs> I try to keep easy, it casual easy. and not make it, uh, you know.
1: No, that's great. Because sometimes I start, I start an interview and I feel like it's going really well, and then I realize we haven't even started recording yet. Yeah,
0: well, that's the mistake so. that I've made a few times now, and I've had to stop and be like, "Oh, whoa, wait, 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 hold on, I gotta hit the button." So uh, I gotcha. So anymore, yeah, it's just I start recording right out the gate. I don't want to miss anything.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm really excited to talk about this project. I'm glad you're uh, having me on to, to talk about this because I think a lot of people love to hear about it. Um, so I'm obviously. My name's Angie Kay. I'm a recording artist out of Nashville. And uh, I work under Jay Owen. And Jake Owen uh, is good friends with uh, a guy named Frank Myers. And I got connected with him. And Frank Myers is an incredible writer in town. He's written, gosh, a half dozen huge, like enormous songs, like global hits. And he asked me if I want to be part of a project. And of course, when Frank Myers asks you to be part of something, you're going to be like, absolutely, whatever it is. And then he kind of gave me the lowdown and he was like, so you'll be in the room with somebody who has lost a a family member, a soldier serving our country. And our job is going to be to write a a song that relives that memory and gives the family something to kind of remember them by. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, that is the highest pressure scenario I I could ever (laughs) imagine as a songwriter. And so I'm not going to lie, I was really nervous. But um, it was pretty amazing, the group of people that all volunteered for this, because I got in the room with two other writers. Uh, One of them was Marv Green, who wrote like half of Tim McGraw's hits, uh, Shotgun Rider, a ton of others, and uh, Wood Newton, who wrote Saving Private Alone and a ton of other great songs. And so I felt good going in with veteran writers like that. And we ended up talking to or meeting a guy named Jay. And 10 years ago, he lost his wife at the time uh, while she was serving overseas, she went over there to set up some medical tents and was out running. And somebody had gotten into the base somehow and, uh, had some kind of SS and and she didn't make it. And it was very unexpected. And, uh, it was a shock to him because he also serves full time in, in the military and he had a three-year-old daughter at the time. And it was so amazing hearing this man talk about, his experience, because it was so clear that this is stuff he hadn't talked about with a lot of people, and he's had to be strong for so many people, including his daughter. And he said she's 13 now, and she's kind of asking questions about her biological mom. And he didn't quite know how to bring it up. And one of the things that always reminded her uh, him of, uh, you know, his 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 ex wife who passed away was when he saw his daughter running. They had such such similar little nuances when they ran that were just identical, that she never could have known because she was only three years, old, three years old at the time. And so the chorus of the song kind of talks about that and kind of uses that as a metaphor. But I think we all hearing him talk about how much he wants his daughter to know who, who her who her who her biological mother was we all just kind of looked at each other as songwriters and we we're like, that's the song we're going to write. Like, we're going to make that, we're going to find those words. And it, there was a lot of tears. There's a lot of crying. And I'm just so grateful that it came out in a way that he's super proud of. And he's shared amazing moments with his daughter, listening to the song and, and keeping that memory alive, which is what it's, what it's really all about.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a really cool story. I don't, I didn't know, you know, all the details of what went into this, uh, this compilation album or, you know, obviously the individual songs in particular either. So.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's a whole, it's a whole, uh, album and it's, every song on it is, was written the same way that we wrote ours. And mine's called you carry me too. And there's, there's a dozen other, that others that tell true stories of men and women that died as heroes, you know, defending our country and, ensuring our freedom and it's just amazing to be able to connect you, you know they're in a place where there really aren't any words uh, and also i think one of the most amazing parts is every time you listen to any of the songs the album uh, i actually oftentimes will just put it on repeat even if my phone's on silent just so that the streams are still counted because every stream and every sale those benefit the taps organization which is the first organization that knocks on your door, if you lost a loved one serving our country, they're the first ones to call you and say, "How can we help?" And I just, I think that it's just a beautiful way of us, you know, in a in a place where there aren't any words to still contribute and be there for families that that need us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great thing, and that's really cool to hear. You know, that. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, we kind of dove right into that. I <laughs> know it's heavy, heavy topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's important, I think.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I didn't get all that information out of uh, some of the other people I've talked to about this. So, so it was, uh, it's good to get a little, a little bit more detail in that, you know, so yeah. everybody listening understands that. And there's, you know, a lot of big names really on that album, too. I mean, um, you know, Vince Gill right there on the opening track, so... I, you know, for one, I'm a fan of his, so.
1: Yeah, Vince. That is
0: caught my eye just right a away. Heart of gold. Yeah. Yeah. So he's- many
1: of those guys, just no ego. That's honestly one of my favorite things about being part of the country community. Because I've gotten to do just some really cool things this year. I got selected as like one of three people that are going to be mentored by the CMA for the year. And so I got to go to like the CMA Awards and I got to go all these backstage private events and meet a bunch of, you know, A-list country stars. And something I'm realizing is all this time, you know, to being a touring artist for the past, gosh, like 10 years full time uh, and touring this country and playing in bars and and dreaming of the day that getting to like, I don't know, just call those people being in the same league you know as people who I looked up to my whole life and then once you get there once you're in the room with these people like you know like Jake Owen like Luke Bryan like they're they treat you like you're already there and I don't think there's really any other genre that does that it's really it's really a pretty beautiful thing because even Billy Ray being part of this album I mean he's just one of the most down to earth he brought his dogs in when he was recording the song and they were just they made everybody smile it was uh it was It's truly a beautiful genre to be in where this is the kind of thing that is a priority of someone like Vince Gill and Billy Ray Cyrus, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's very cool. So did you, you said you've been touring for the last, you know, 10 years, basically.
2: Yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: Did you, because I saw that you were on, you were a contestant at one point on The Voice, correct?
1: Yeah, that was an awesome time in my life. I had such a good time on that show.
0: Was that kind of the start of your career or was that kind of like in the middle? I didn't – I'm not really sure what year it was, but –
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm not totally sure either. I think it was 2016. I was only on for like three episodes, but I had been touring full-time at that point since 2013 because 2013 I decided to – I dropped out of school. and I was going to school for engineering and had a scholarship. And I decided to drop out and go be on a cruise ship and <laughs> <to> play <laughs> music full-time. My parents were super excited. <laughs> just oh, kidding. Sure, yeah. Very upset. But it was a cool full-circle moment because, I mean, at that point, I would actually just... This YouTube video that I had put up, gosh, almost 10 years ago, it just popped up on my feed. And it was like a recap of what I called the bar tours. And I would just basically look at a map and find places three to four hours apart and I would basically call up bars and I would do a full bar tour and then when on my when my time like I would do that for three months and then I would get on a ship on a cruise ship for three months and then I would tour back and I would just couch surf so there's like a site where you can Kind of say, hey, I'm staying in Detroit for the night. Can I? That's a really bad example. Detroit's a little bit scary, but I've only met really <laughs> great people there. But uh, I would find someone on couch surfing that'd be willing to let me, you know, crash on their couch. And usually I'd buy groceries and usually it would be like uh, college students for the most part. And I've met some of my best friends still. T- Voice came around that was actually the fifth time I auditioned. The first time I actually sat next to Luke Combs, which I thought was pretty cool and he didn't get on and I remember thinking if that guy didn't make it I'm really not that worried like they just messed up He <laughs> <laughs> was so good even then yeah um but yeah I I auditioned fi- a total of five times and there was a little bit of crazy stuff in there where I ended up needing vocal surgery and so I had to move it to a different audition on date and I had to find my way to LA for the last audition it was a, a bunch of drama and I finally got in front of the judges with kind of maybe like 50 bucks my name once I had gotten to the audition. And, uh, that time it, a year later, I was in front of the judges and three chairs turned around. And as soon as I saw Blake's face, I was like, I knew that's where I was going.
0: (laughs) So that pretty, did that boost your career pretty much? I mean, after that, did that kind of help it take off a little bit more or?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember really early on in my career, somebody telling me like, you want to sell 10,000 records, shake 10,000 hands. And I remember thinking like, okay, I don't know how to get on TV and I don't know how to go be famous or whatever, but I can definitely shake 10,000 hands. And so I did that. And so when I got on The Voice, it was this amazing outpouring of like the wildest group, the most diverse group of people you can imagine that after I got off The Voice, I only was on for three episodes, but everybody was so amped and so excited to just see somebody do something they were so excited to do, you know, do music. Uh, that when I did my tour afterwards I mean every bar I went to was just packed and it was packed by like the most beautiful people I mean I'm talking like total rednecks beautiful awesome rednecks right next to you know the gayest of the gay and it was just it was really beautiful and to this day if you come to my concert, you'll see it's it's the most wonderful collection of people uh and they've you know they're the reason that i'm able to get through it during this time too while all of my shows are canceled you know i've i've people still supporting my music and um i'm i'm very grateful for the time it took to get to where i am now for sure
0: have you been doing some of the couch concerts and whatnot like the live streams and whatever. Oh, for Facebook, sure. Have you?
1: Yeah. I do run a little trivia show for, uh, every week, every two weeks or so. And I bring my girlfriend in on it too. And, and we were asked like kind of wacky trivia questions and whoever gets it right gets to give me a request. And we, we, ha- we have a little, like a few like silly sound effects and we have some fun with it. Definitely a few drinks while we're going. All but right. yeah, I do those and I do like one-on-one zooms. Um, I actually did, I got on Series 6 on the highway as a highway find, and I was super excited. This was a few months ago. And so I told everyone that screenshotted my song, like me on the radio, I would do a one-on-one Zoom hang slash concert with them. And I did 125 of <laughs> those. <laughs> and so that was amazing. And, and what's cool about that, it was, it was free. So I was able to really, with no pressure, learn how to do everything and get the best sound without the pressure of like everyone's looking at me. So now I feel really confident with the technology, but it just goes to show, you know, like there's, there's so many reasons to lose hope in the world, you know, just watching the news. But I really do believe, especially in this country that most people genuinely want to see each other reach their dreams. I really do believe that. Yeah. Let's,
0: uh, that's a good uplifting message for sure <laughs> you know uh, yeah. I mean like, like you pointed out I mean in today's climate I, I'm not sure that a lot of people are at their most optimistic mindset yeah. right now you know which is a bummer I mean especially when you understandable get on, yeah yeah and you get on Facebook and you just see everybody arguing and fighting and it's it's all really silly to me because most people, I I can tell they're not experts on the topics that they're arguing and fighting about anyhow. So
2: yeah.
0: Um, but but yeah, the I mean you know, social media is kind of a you know double edged sword. I guess you got kind of the bad and the good, and the good is you know any kind of art that you're involved in. It's such a it's such an open you know. Yeah, landscape to just do your thing on and um, I don't know yeah
1: I think um, I think art's probably more important now than it's ever been because really even the harshest critic of whatever it is that's bothering them whether it be like masks or you know the Black Lives Matter movement whatever it is and however people are responding the ones that are responding in a harsh way that's always coming out of fear and the only way that you can pull somebody out of that is to respond with empathy. And that's kind of what music is. It's, it's meeting someone where they are instead of telling them where they have to be. And, uh, that's why I, I just, I really, I, when, when this first started this whole, you know, uh, COVID, you know, started canceling all the shows I thought about getting another job. I really did. Cause I could, you know, I ended up finishing my degree online and marketing and, I actually, kind of enjoy moving my brain that way, but I remember thinking like, there's so like, especially doing these 120 whatever little concerts. It just I just realized like, it's such a silly thing. And and you know, on stage, the best days are when are when you're not trying too hard, and you're not too comfortable, and you're just in perfect company. And we've lost so much company. And the only way you kind of bring people and meet where they are is by sitting and listening and just meeting people where they are you know and I just I really believe music has that kind of power it's hard for me to describe but it's definitely the feeling I get every time I play
0: yeah do you feel that people get just as connected watching the 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 live streams and the the Facebook concerts and everything or do you think that there's still like an element missing because for me just being honest like I sometimes have a hard time sitting through them and watching them, even if it's one of my favorite artists. I, it's just not quite the same as being there in the moment, you know.
1: Oh yeah, um, it's definitely you know yeah. I totally agree. It's definitely different.
0: Yeah, and I'm trying. But I think,
1: but no, I get it because it's all we got I right think, now. So, being kind of, I'm still an independent artist. so I still play a very kind of wide variety of shows, and um college shows that sometimes are like a few thousand people. Sometimes it's literally 15 students and sometimes I'll do bar shows and sometimes it's like packed and sometimes it's maybe three people in the bar while I'm playing. And my, my girlfriend told me something years ago that kind of I keep with me and it's like, even if people aren't looking like they're paying attention, they like, there's, there's somebody that really cares that you're playing. You know, and sometimes right. it's that person with social anxiety that just needs something going on in the background. So, like, it's, it's a skill that I worry I'll lose if I ever become successful to the point where I, my shows are always packed is you have to believe there's one person that needs you right now, and that's why you do it. And what's interesting about COVID is it forces you to revisit that skill, and it forces you to look at people not as numbers compared to a sellout, but numbers compared to, like, okay, I got three. That means I have three chances to really make this right. You know? So it's, it's, it's like, kind of like as an artist going back to that beginning of, you know, trying to convince people at a busy bar to maybe stop and listen. And then remembering if it, if it worked once, then what you're doing is, is the right thing, I guess.
0: Right. No, I think that's really well put. I mean, I suppose it'd be easy to To forget those little, you know, important aspects of playing to people, and and get, you know, maybe it's like a selfish thing to only worry about the the number of people in the room versus the how much you're connecting with the few that you do have in the room. And so, I think that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, I mean it's inevitable too. Like you know, success begets you know problems like that, and and you start to have to think bigger, and you kind of lose sight of the the one-on-one which started it all
0: right well hey angie i don't want to keep you too long and i feel like that was probably as good of a point to go out on as any so (laughs) (laughs) thanks again
1: for doing this i appreciate you getting the word out
0: yeah thank you for calling in and talking and take care
3: yeah you too thank you yep bye (laughs)
0: All right, a big thank you to Angie Kay for calling in and talking with me. Uh, next up, we have Deborah Allen. Hey, Deborah, how's it going?
3: Hey, Brent, how are you? It's, I'm doing good. I just got in, made myself a cup of hot tea, and got me a glass of water.
0: So... You just were recently a part of uh, the Love Lives on compilation album, which I've just recently talked with uh, Angie Kay and um, Andy Griggs who were also a part of that and so we've mm-hmm. got a pretty good background on what that's about. Uh, what was your role in that though? and could you tell us the story behind the song Press on Preston?
3: Hey, Brent. Yes, I tell you what, it was just amazing to be a part of this project. And I was drawn into it by my great friend, Frank Myers, who's an amazing songwriter and producer and a friend of mine for years. I hadn't seen Frank lately, but I had gotten a phone call from him and he started talking to me about the charity foundation called taps which is tragedy assistance program for survivors and then he started talking about the the new album project for love it's called love lives on based on a song that frank wrote with Jimmy nichols and also bonnie carroll who is one of the survivors uh, she's the wife of a fallen hero and uh, so she she began this foundation and I don't know just to me the whole mission just really touched my heart and it gave me that feeling of wow this is my opportunity to do something you know beyond just you know what's my next song that I'm going to put out what what do I want to do next for you know my career this is something much bigger and broader than that it's it's uh, you know it's patriotic and it's helping families that are left behind, brothers, sisters, you know mothers, wives, husbands, uh, our fallen heroes. So that really really touched me, and that's how I got involved in it. And so I was on board immediately, as were so many great people here in Nashville. I know you probably already know this, Brent, but Nashville is a place with a huge heart and the musicians here and the songwriters here and the recording artists here. Uh, I don't know. I just think that everybody here has a huge heart for helping others. So it just seemed to make sense.
0: Yeah. It seems like everyone was really enthusiastic about this project. I mean, I mean, I, by everybody, I mean the other two people I've talked with, but they have the same things to say, you know, everybody they worked with, um, was just great to hang out with, and there was no egos in the room, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of bigger names on this album. It's, you know...
3: Oh, yeah. Nobody, no one placed themselves above anyone else. If You know, basically, we all placed ourselves uh, in a serving mode, you know, to serve the surviving members who our family... Oh, let me, you did your original question was about me and press on Preston. Our family um, was the mother and the brother and sister of a young man named Preston Brown. And Preston was an amazing young man. He, he served in the military, and he even was shipped overseas. I can't remember if it was Afghanistan or Iran. I can't remember exactly where he went right now, this split second. But he served, in, but he he came back. He was safe and sound. Everybody was breathing a sigh of relief, you know, that he had made it back. And he went back to where he was stationed in El Paso. And his mother, Stephanie, said, Preston loved to play basketball. He just loved to play basketball. So he was staying on the base playing basketball a lot, you know, just kind of filling his time with some recreation while he was there. And one night, some friends of his said, hey, man, come on, let's go out. Let's You're here all the time. Let's get out. Let's go do something. So they went out to a nightclub and uh, eventually some trouble broke out and they started they were leaving. And as they left, some shots were fired. And the way the bullet struck him it in the top of the head, it, it they think it maybe ricocheted off of something. Hmm. But she got the call that every mother dreads, and that is that her son was hurt. She was hoping, you know, that it was, you know, maybe something like a car accident and that he would survive, but... They came they went straight out to El Paso to check on Preston, but he was already you know in a coma, and they were hoping that he would survive, but in the end, he didn't. But what's the beautiful part of Preston's story is that, although he didn't survive, uh, they came to Stephanie, his mother, and asked would he would she like to?" Uh, donate some of his organs to help other people and she said you know Deborah, excuse me she said you know Deborah." she goes really actually she said when I first said yes it was kind of from a selfish point of view because I thought well if I say yes they'll have to keep him alive just a little bit longer maybe he'll wake up you know but she said he didn't he didn't wake up and so five of his organs are right now out in the world with living people, uh, helping other people to flourish in their lives. One of them being a 70-year-old man. His heart is in a 70-year-old man's chest right now beating. And so I had been invited to be on this project. Frank had invited me, and, and then I was going to also be writing with one of my wonderful, extremely talented friends, Greg Barnhill, who's written lots of great songs. And so he and I had written together in the past, but this was going to be the first time we'd reconnected in a while. So, you know, I have such great respect for him. I wanted to come prepared, but I had been so busy. It was hard for me to kind of take some time to get prepared. So that night before we went into the studio, I was like, man, I need to think about this song. So I sat down and I kind of played some music, came up with some chords. I went, wow, I like that. I kind of did a little sketch of it on my handheld recorder, my phone. And um, then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I went, wait a minute. That that was kind of, that came kind of natural and sort of the easy part. I really need to be thinking about what I might like to say. So I sat down in this chair at my back, door and I just said a little prayer and I said, God, please give me something good to bring forth in this because, you know, this is this is not just like getting together, hanging out, writing a song. This is this is important. It's about it's about one of our heroes who has fallen. He's given his life for us. His mother, his brother, his sister's gonna be there. And Greg Parnhill's gonna be there. I want to come prepared and all of a sudden it just popped in my mind I heard it clear as a bell it said press on Preston and I went wow is that cool or is that what is that then I was like don't question it just roll with it (laughs) so all of a sudden um, just all these lyrics started flooding through me and uh, next thing you know I had more words than I needed I had about three verses and two choruses and then I looked at the clock and I was like Oh my gosh! It's one o'clock in the morning, and I and I've got to be at Starstruck at nine a.m. I better stop, so I stopped. And you know that morning when I got out of the car, uh, I bumped into Greg, and I said, "Hey, Greg!" I said, "Of course, we we were all excited to see each other." And then we were walking along, and I said, "Hey, um, did you get anything?" He goes, "I got a couple of lines. You know, not a whole lot." And I went, "He goes, did you get anything?" I said, well, last night I kind of got a big wave of inspiration, but I don't know, you know, I mean, this is, I I wouldn't want to assume that it's what we would use because, I mean, this is about someone's son and Stephanie, the mother's going to be there. I don't know how they'll feel about me just kind of writing like this. And he said, well, when we get in there, read it to me. So I did, I got in there and I read it to him. And, uh, he said, man, Deb, I think this is right on the money. And then I played him the chords I had. And he liked those too, but okay. So I came prepared and, and, and I think that was a gift from God. I got this, um, I got this foundation to bring into the, our group setting that was a, you know, a great jumping off place. And a lot of it's in the song. But to be honest with you, and you, you're you a songwriter and you're a, a musician, so you, you understand this. You know, it still had so much of Stephanie and Preston's brother and sister in the whole song. And obviously, Greg had some really valuable input. He had some tweaks on the music that to me gave it a lot more prestige and you know I just loved it and um, then lyrically she she made some you know it's funny when you're writing a song you think wow that was a a one-word change but it like added so much more depth and meaning to it just some some gentle tweaks and some actual full lines and you know things like that so even though and I'm so thankful that God gave me that gift the night before at the end of the day press Preston was um um bringing together a five people's hearts and souls to pay tribute to this young man who gave his life and not only gave his life but gave life to five other human beings who are still walking on the earth so i uh, i just can't tell you how um fulfilling and rewarding it was and you know I I've moved on to doing some other things since that happened but every time when I stopped to think about it and start to relive the feelings uh, that I had as it was happening and just remembering how it all came about and how we all became so bonded you know it it still it still can almost make me cry just thinking about what an absolute joy and wonderful experience this was and and none of that would have happened without Taps and, and it all started from Bonnie Carroll and her losing her husband so I mean I I'm, I'm I just got to tell you that the album the Love Lives On album it's full of ten individual stories true stories and each one of those writing sessions were with other great writers here in nashville and other family members who were still grieving and and feeling that great loss but it was so healing for everybody so i mean i've got it in my car right now i listen to it all the time it's just a great uh, album it's got paul overstreet pam tillis billy ray cyrus um you know, so many great people, Lone Star, Richard McDonald. um Just those are some of the people and other great writers <laughs> like uh, Wood Newton. And oh, gosh, the list just goes on and on. I wish you could have been there, Brent. You would have loved it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a neat experience. It's obviously talking to you and talking to Angie and... Andy, that were involved as well. I mean, it sounds like it was an experience that, you know, really meant something to all of you that were involved in it. And it's a truly unique idea, anyhow, you know, so definitely something special to be a part of.
3: Definitely. Yes. And I love Andy Griggs and I love Angie Kay. And yeah, it's just hard to remember how many great people were. We had an incredible engineer on the product uh, project, Um, John Guess. He was there and you know he did hands across america he's like an iconic engineer and then jimmy nichols and frank myers wound up producing it together and they're like best friends and they're so both so talented but both so different it's like really was fun to watching them work because both of them have different kinds of strengths in their talents and they're both Pretty big personalities too, and uh, it was really beautiful to watch how uh, one of them would step back and let the other one move forward to take over a moment, and then and vice versa, you know. But when the moment called for a you know certain set of talents to really bring it out and make things shine, I mean, even that was beautiful for me because I've been friends with. Frank for years, and I've been friends with Jimmy for years, you know, but this was the first real... Well, Jimmy and I had done something in the studio together a few years ago, but this was the first time really uh, to get, you know, really spend this kind of time together in the studio and have it happen on something so meaningful. It's just... just was really great. I don't think I could ever put into exact words just what a special project this is.
0: Well, that's very nice to, you know... It's nice to hear something, you know, fulfilling coming out, you know, of, of music other than just the the daily grind of writing songs and um, putting them out and only worrying about whether something's a hit or a miss or whatever. I mean, you know, it sounds to me... Like even if this the thing sold zero copies, you guys all had a great experience doing it, and you were a hundred percent behind the, the the reason and the meaning behind every song. And
3: right, it was totally done out of pure love, and that was that was I guess the the greatest beauty in the whole project. <laughs> but I do really believe um, that it will will sell a lot of copies. Uh, especially if we can keep spreading the word out there on behalf of taps and uh the album project love lives on because you know all the money from it i mean we didn't take anything We, we gave up our songwriter's rights on it our performance rights everything we wanted to go to the foundation so you can be sure that every penny goes to taps and uh Not long ago, I did a television show, uh, the Huckabee Show, and um, I was there performing my song that it's the song that most people know me for. It's called Baby I Lied. I would say that's my signature song. And I had a great visit with Governor Huckabee on his show. And then after my segment, I went back to my dressing room and I was packing up to head out. And this woman comes back there, and she was actually one of the staff members of the television production team. And she said, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. And I just want to say thank you so much for talking about TAPS. And I said, oh, well, thank you. And she said, yes. Uh, I said, how do you know TAPS? And she said, well, she said my husband was in the military, and he's no longer with us, unfortunately. He was one of the ones who took his own life. And I went, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. She said, well, TAPS, as soon as my husband, as soon as I was notified about, you know, what happened and and all started going through all of the grieving process, she said they were the first ones to reach out and call me. And she said they started... Uh, working to nurture and heal me and eventually started uh, helping me re you know assert myself back out into life and uh, reconnect with life and she said it's just been amazing and she said and none of that would have happened without TAPS and she said because of the program you know I've gotten training too now and she said I've been able to help some of the others who you know, have lost their loved ones. And so TAPS has helped, I believe. Now, I mean, I'm not a person to really memorize statistics that much, but it seems like I, I've read that they've helped ninety thousand families. And they have a department too that works with the children. It it they are constantly looking for ways to help these families.
0: Well that that definitely sounds like a great organization. <clears throat> if that's not a reason for people to want to, you know, just download the album just enough to just for the pure sense of, you know, donating to the organization. Um, I mean, to me that's enough, you know, right there just knowing that it's going towards something that good. Um Even if you're not a country music fan and you never listen to it, right? So,
3: right. And (laughs) and you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the um, podcast. You uh, have pretty eclectic taste in music, and I do too. And you know, a lot of the people that are on this album are, you know, from the country music family and and from Nashville. But don't be fooled by that because it's a very eclectic album. And like I said, because of the nature of the stories that are told on these through this CD and all this and all the 10 different songs, you know, it's it's definitely not a one dimensional album. It's got a lot of um, depth to it and a lot of breadth to it musically.
0: Nice. Well, I would be a liar if I said I listened to the whole thing already, but I did listen to your song and Angie's song and Andy's song, and I'm actually you know, a Vince Gill fan, have been for quite a while. My grandma used to listen to him all the time when I was a kid. And I haven't even listened to that song yet. I've been meaning to go back to it, but I've just been focusing on the uh, on the task at hand, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. but I am gonna go back out I'll, I'll give the uh, I'll give the entire thing a a listen for sure. Um
3: Yeah. When you get when you get in your car and you get ready to go in a little uh, drive, just pop it in and just uh, enjoy it. And, hey, yeah, and you just reminded me, yeah, Vince Gill was on there, uh, Eddie Raven, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, so many great artists were on there.
0: Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a long list of uh, heavy hitters, so I definitely encourage people to check it out, especially if you are a country music fan or if, you know, or if you just want to donate to the cause, so...
3: Oh, yes. They definitely uh, welcome any donations, and you can be sure that if you do uh, give in any way to the TAPS organization that, you know, it's it's just they're very reputable and have the highest integrity, and they, they live to help these families recover from the loss of their loved ones.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Deborah, for talking today about that and giving us some insight on it
3: i hope i didn't talk too much sometimes when i when i get into it i get i get so emotional again and and start reliving it again i just want to try to tell you everything i can think of possibly about it so that hopefully your listeners can feel the emotion you know that that went into this and all the love for These families with their lost loved ones and and the fallen heroes, you know.
0: All right, I want to thank Deborah Allen as well as Angie Kay and Andy Griggs for calling in and talking about the Love Lives On compilation album. If you want to listen to Love Lives On, it is available on all digital platforms. I definitely encourage you to download it. As mentioned before, all the money, all the proceeds are going. To taps 100%, which is a great cause. Um, So, at the very least, download it just for that reason. And then you never know, you might just enjoy the music as well. Thanks for listening again. Until next time.